Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520, backed by popular demand. We have our guest, Ambassador Eric M. Javits, who's been on this program three or four times in the last few years. He knows more about foreign policy than 90% of our college professors. Very gifted. To tell you a little bit about him, he's an American diplomat who served as the ambassador and permanent U.S. representative to the Conference on Disarmament in Geneva from 2001 to 2003, and the United States Permanent Representative to the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons from 2003 to 2009. He is a member of the Council of American Ambassadors. He's the nephew of former U.S. Senator Jacob Javits, who I knew because I was on the Executive Committee of the Erie County Republican Committee the last time he was thinking of running, but I believe you sort of suggested that he not run the last time. <laughs> but uh, he was a great U.S. Senator for 24 years, and we have the nephew who's done so much in foreign affairs in his own right, Eric M. Javits, former United States Ambassador. Let's talk about the foreign policy of Joseph Biden. What do you see? What do you think is going to happen, Ambassador Eric Javits? Brian, first of all, it's a pleasure to be back on your show, and it's good to see you here in Palm Beach again. Uh, the idea of, I think, the Biden administration is to further the concept of globalism. Right now, you have a dichotomy between conservatives, conservatives that want to keep national identity strong, borders strong, and the rights of individual nations left basically to their citizens instead of submitting themselves to world government under the United Nations, under the concept of globalism, which of course from a financial and commercial standpoint is great because it opens up markets worldwide. It makes opportunities for big corporations uh, not just prosper, but uh, have enormous growth potential. And I think the lure is mostly financial and commercial, but not anything to do with the rights of the individual citizen. So I think Biden 
and his cohorts from the Obama administration that he's going to bring back pretty much subscribe to the globalist side of the argument. And therefore, I think you will see uh, a new push to repose confidence in world organizations like the World Health Organization that, as far as I'm concerned, should be discredited uh, because of what they failed to do in terms of upholding their own precepts in this Chinese uh, pemic disaster. And I think that Biden will look at all the opportunities, including the Iranian situation, every, every, on every front, he's going to pull back as far as he can, depending upon the outcome in the Senate race today, uh, that he can, he can accomplish. Now, I'm not sure he'll accomplish so much if one or two of these Republicans win in Georgia, because they can hold the line. But if they do not, you can be sure that our borders are going to be open as they were heretofore before Trump, that our immigration policy will be enormously weakened, that the idea of accepting foreign aid as an obligation, not as a charitable contribution to human welfare, but as an obligation, will uh, carry the day. And I think the American population, once they wake up to it, will find out that their rights are going to be curtailed in almost every respect. We're learning a great deal from Ambassador Eric M. Javits. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, Toronto, or Washington, D.C., the book is called Twists and Turns by Ambassador Eric Javits. It's available on Amazon. Why should someone look in their computer right now and make an order on Amazon for Twists and Turns? Well, first Ambassador of all, Javits. It's, it's a digital edition which is extremely inexpensive. I think it's only two or three dollars on Amazon to download it. It gives you, it's not an autobiography, it's selected episodes from my life that are of interest to people who lived through the post through the war and the post-war era. It also talks a lot about my experiences on the diplomatic front as a lawyer in New York in major cases that are nationally known and talks a lot about my family, my uncle. So anybody that's interested, I think, in um, American history as it developed from the 30s up until today would be interested in twists and turns. Very good. Again, we recommend to all of our listeners to the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520 to go get this book. It's available on Amazon, and you can learn from the brilliance of our guest, Ambassador Eric Javits, who was an ambassador and nephew of former U.S. Senator Jacob Javits. Now, let's talk about North Korea. Uh, the media were laughing uh, when Trump was, I would say, in a way, outsmarting the uh, uh, president of North Korea. Uh, he was blowing off missiles all the time. Uh, everyone said that there was one of the major threats to America along with Iran uh, for the last 10 years, but it seems to me like Trump has outsmarted uh, this sort of goofy 
uh, dictator of North Korea. How do you see how, how Trump played him? Did he play him smart? Did he play him well? What do you think? First of all, people don't really remember clearly enough how much of a hermit kingdom it really was in North Korea. As an example of that, when I was serving as an ambassador in The Hague at the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, and we knew that they were gassing people and, and experimenting on human beings with poison gases and uh, nerve gases, we tried to hire a Korean general to help us at least try to get North Korea to become a member of the Organization of the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons. We couldn't even make contact with them. That's how much they were insulated against the world. The fact that Trump was able to actually visit their country, even though it wasn't in depth, it was just a crossing the line, the fact that he got them to basically pull back from their nuclear tests, the fact that he put a whole different cast on North Korea from the standpoint of whether or not they're a hermit kingdom, they're far less of one and they're far less of a threat than they were. They're still a threat, but it, and they probably have 20 or 30 nuclear weapons, but they are not threatening the world with them and they're not acting um, as the rogue nation that they were. Now, when, tr when Biden comes into office, if that's what happens, I think they're going to test us again. It's only because Trump is a great negotiator and understands that diplomacy doesn't work unless you have an iron fist inside the velvet glove. Trump understands that, understands negotiations, understands when to walk away, and understands when to befriend the adversary. And I think he's done a masterful job to keep, I would say, North Korea domesticated, so to speak, for the period in which he served as president. We're learning a great deal from Ambassador Eric M. Javits. Again, you can learn more by getting the book on Amazon. It's called Twists and Turns. And I know uh, he's very well regarded because he showed the book to Andy Card, whom I worked with, who was former Chief of Staff to President Bush, and he said that Ambassador Javis knows what he's writing about. And that was from Andy Card, who's been on a lot of specials in the last year about different presidents. Mm -hmm. Wonderful man. A little bit more information about Ambassador Eric M. Javits. He grew up in Connecticut, his nephew of former U.S. Senator Jacob Javits, Republican New York. His father, Benjamin Javits, was an attorney, philanthropist, and author, and was brother to the late Senator Javits. Eric Javits graduated from the Choate School in 48 and spent one year in Stanford. He transferred to Columbia College and graduated Phi Beta Kappa in 52. He attended Columbia Law School and graduated in 55. Our guest today, Ambassador Eric M. Javits. A little plug here, ESPN 1520 is streaming. You can listen live by going to our website, ESPN1520.com, and clicking on the radio.com or listen tab. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been in writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. 
Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. I'd like to thank those who called regarding Eric Reichert, who is an international vice president for Ford and Chrysler. Richard Earl, whose grandfather Harley Earl designed the Corvette, the Firebird, and the Camaro in the 50s and 60s, and Al Zuccaro involved with the World Trade Center in Southern Florida. Our guest today, Eric M. Javits, former ambassador. Now let's talk about the Iran nuclear agreement. Trump pulled out of this. He has gone after the people in Iran who say death to America, death to Israel. There's a lot of fear of all those euros that were put on the tarmac at the airport, that that money was going to terrorist organizations such as Hezbollah and Hamas. Um, where do you see, are we going to get back into the same horrible Iran nuclear agreement? I, I'm quite sure if Biden is uh, inaugurated in January, we will. I think they're going to go headlong into it on the idea that um, it's going to be an opening where they, they can then negotiate other parts of the agreement that had failed so miserably before. They did nothing about the missiles um, that Iran was use, using and launching and developing. They did nothing about the terrorism. That was completely ignored. The only thing they were worried about was a nuclear weapon, and of course they did nothing about that after 10 years. So it was, it was basically a, a laughable farce. However, if they do go back, I think they're going to try to get the Europeans to go with them and keep the pressure on with, uh, with some commercial punitive measures unless the Iranians come to the table to negotiate some other aspects. But of course they're going to fall short. The Iranians are far greater and better negotiators than the Americans under Biden. It's only because Trump was a master negotiator and rode herd on all of the renegotiation of the trade agreements that we really got America put back on an equitable basis with our trade partners. Now the reason that I was picked as a negotiator in diplomacy at the two places I served was because I, my specialty as a lawyer in New York for the 45 years was in difficult international negotiations. And so I understand what wonders a good negotiator can accomplish. And individual relationships are key to accomplishing a negotiation. As a matter of fact, after the six years I spent at the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons in The Hague, they got the Pulitzer Prize, the uh, Nobel Peace Prize, for the fact that they were the they've been the only international security organization to ever renew their treaty successfully with a successful treaty renewal report. Uh, the IAEN hasn't done it. Uh, NATO hasn't been able to do it. So you can actually accomplish a lot through negotiation, but. As I said before, you've got to have the iron fist in the velvet glove. Well, it wasn't uh, Teddy Roosevelt who said, speak softly but carry a big exactly. stick? Exactly, 
Exactly. And it sounds like that's what uh, Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan did. Exactly. Yeah, very good. Okay, uh, we have uh, another uh, 12 minutes on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 520. Let's talk about uh, Donald Trump's foreign policy overall. It seems like he's reduced our president, our presence overseas uh, in many hot spots around the world. He's prevented nuclear warfare with Iran. He's prevented that with North Korea. Um, he's been a tough anti-communist with Venezuela and Cuba. Uh, let's talk about the overall foreign policy of Donald J. Trump worldwide. Rate it, please, Ambassador Eric M. Javits. Well, I would rate it quite high because he finally decided we ought to end the endless wars and we ought to bring soldiers back to the United States, not in their entirety, but at least substantially, so that we basically are protecting our own uh, geography mm -hmm. and letting others protect theirs to the extent that they can, and then backing them up when and if necessary with arms shipments and with the um, emergency uh, arrival of American troops if needed. But, and I think the Chinese, as an example, were hoodwinking us through all the administrations up to Trump. Trump saw them for what they are, stealing our techno technology, uh, infiltrating our society in every aspect, trying to eventually not just overtake us, but overpower us with their currency eventually becoming the world currency, with their economy eventually not just surpassing us, but completely dominating us, and with a sufficient number of spies and influencers in the United States through the media, through big tech, and other means to basically subordinate America and put us on our heels. He took every measure that he could peacefully to counter that and was doing it very successfully by putting uh, trade penalties and tariffs on to show them that they couldn't take advantage of us, to extract from them uh, large purchase, agricultural purchases and other forms of more equitable trade between the two countries, and also less reliance upon them in many, many areas of manufacturing to bring back uh, our industry to our shores, and therefore to employ our people instead of theirs and to uh, allow us then to export. The most important thing he did was to make America energy independent. Right. And if he had not done that, we would not have had the economy, the stock market, or the progress in terms of competing with China that we did have. We became the supplier of energy to the world, and I'm, I'm afraid that under Biden and the Green New Deal philosophy, they're going to go back to the old days of our being energy dependent and having no influence but much more dependence upon others so that we can't exert it, let's we have it exerted on us. I, I think Trump's foreign policy was 
based basically on rebuilding the military so he had the iron fist inside the velvet glove and censuring or penalizing bad conduct wherever he saw it and fighting to equalize and make more fair trade and other relationships. Very good. Well said, succinctly. Our guest today, Ambassador Eric M. Javits, if you're listening in West Seneca, New York, Toronto, or Northern Florida, drop us a note. This station, ESPN, has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. A little bit more information about Ambassador Eric M. Javits. He began his legal career with Javits & Javits, the New York law firm founded by his father and his uncle. He conducted international practice as a partner in the firm from 64 to 89, when he left the practice of law to serve as a consultant in the U.S. Department of State. He was nominated to be the United States Ambassador to Venezuela on July 11, 1989. Let's talk about Afghanistan. I can't understand why we're still there. It's a drug culture. Uh, you know, the, these horrible terrorists have been killed. I don't know, Bin Laden is gone. Uh, what do we gain by fighting there and losing lives and limbs? What benefit is it? I don't understand. Well, I, I think I can explain why we were there. Okay, but what about now? The reason, <laughs> well, the reason we were there is that bad things were being cooked up and happening there that were felt elsewhere. Right. And also, very little is known about the natural resources of Afghanistan because they have enormous rare earths and rare metals like lithium and other things that not only does the industrial world need, but if they're controlled by um, malevolent forces right. could actually cause a lot of harm to the industrial world that needs those resources. So I, that was the reason we were there, right. in my opinion. Okay. The fact that we now realize that we can do without them if we have to, after having spent so many decades trying to bulwark them, uh, arm them, equip them, train them, so they could stand up as a as a democracy, and having failed so miserably that we had to negotiate to um, find a way to leave them with a, saving some face <coughs> at least for ourselves. Uh, I'm not surprised because endless wars are endless. <laughs> That's why they get that name, and we simply can't afford it anymore. We've been wasting the blood and treasure of our young men and young women and our taxpayers on something that isn't really giving us a return. We had to get out. Yeah, I see no sense of uh, the drug culture. They hated the Russia, they hate the Americans. <laughs> You're never going to befriend those people. Uh, it's a big cost and a lot of deaths. Let's talk about Venezuela. Again, uh, you were nominated to be the United States Ambassador to Venezuela. I guess we have a former bus driver who's the president there, Maduro. Uh, their economy is in shambles. They sit on one of the greatest oil supplies in the world, and the people are starving. Uh, is there hope for the people of Venezuela with a communist regime? I think there's there's slim 
hope, unfortunately. First of all, because so many of the conservative, loyal, patriotic Venezuelans who wanted to see it as a democracy have left. It was the oldest democracy in Latin America, uninterrupted democracy. But it started to get rotten with a, an elite ruling class that was simply without energy, without ide a, a strong ideology to understand that they had to do more for their country than they were doing. And all they did was, you know, take the oil riches and spread it around so they could keep their, um, I guess, oligopoly going. And it ultimately rotted and crumbled, and they were taken over. Now, the prospect of influence from China, from Russia, from Cuba is so strong that no matter what we put in there and what effort we put in, and we put in a great effort under the Trump administration to try to uh, bring the country back to a, a healthy democracy, simply failed because they have so many police state people in there from these three countries that don't want democracy and also want to have a redoubt to the south of us that they can use against us. Well, we will not see much change from Biden's administration in being able to do anything because they're not going to mount an effort the way Trump did. And they'll simply turn a friendly face to Cuba again, turn a friendly face to Venezuela again. And of course, it makes them, I think, look good to ignorant onlookers, but it's the worst thing to do for the poor people of Venezuela. Just a terrible, terrible situation. We have about one minute left. Chemical weapons, you're an expert on that in Syria. How many people were killed by uh, chemical weapons uh, well, in Syria? They've, they've killed a lot of people. I don't have the count. But the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemicals established for a fact that the government used it. And uh, how they could possibly... Stand world uh, ignominy, having used chemical weapons and having it understood that that was purposeful. I just don't know. But the but the Syrian regime is being propped up basically by the Russians and by the Iranians because they need Syria as a land bridge over to Beirut so that they can exert influence from Iran all the way across the Middle East. I hope that the um, new effort that was exp expended by Trump, which succeeded in getting a few of the Arab countries to make peace with Israel, will ultimately spread as Saudi Arabia realizes that they have to ultimately make peace with Israel. I'm sorry we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. We've learned so much from a brilliant historian, former U.S. Ambassador Eric M. Javits, nephew of former U.S. Senator Jacob Javits. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for the past 15 years. And again, the book to buy on Amazon is Twists and Turns on Amazon by Ambassador Eric M. Javits. Thank you for enlightening us and have a great week. 
You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.